Okay, well, this morning we are launching into our June theme, which is Faith is the Gap. Last weekend we did our Faith, Love, Hope weekend, and I want to thank you, church, for being so amazing and coming with such faith last weekend. It is always such a significant day in our church, and and as Sam said, continue to be a part of that throughout the year. But, you know, this theme faith is the gap is so true in our lives because often we feel like we take a step of faith and that was faith. Like last weekend was a step of faith. And then we realize oh, there's a season after our stepping out where we're waiting on God. Hello? And we realize now I actually need faith. I thought I needed faith to step out. No, no. I actually need faith now in this season, in the gap. Anyone with me? And so we're talking about what to do in the season between our sowing and our reaping, between our stepping out in faith and actually seeing the manifestation of what God promised us. Because often we can go, well, God, didn't you say? Didn't you say? Anyone sort of had that conversation with God? But but isn't the work of the cross the finished work of the cross? How come I'm living in this middle land, like where it's not really what you said? Because faith's in the gap. And what we do in the gap is actually so, so important. So we're talking about this theme for the month of June. There's a scripture in Galatians 6 verse 9 that says, Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we don't lose heart. So we can't grow weary and we can't lose heart in the gap. So it's awesome to be full of faith. And some of us are initiators. Some of us are entrepreneurs. We're the sort of people that would jump out and take a risk. And then it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I actually have to see this through. Yes, you do. That's the gap. That's the bit in the middle. And I would propose to you that more faith is required in the gap than in the stepping out. And so that's what we're talking about this month. And so as I was preparing this message, I feel like God really settled two keys for us this morning that I want to give you. And the first one is, what is faith? I want to help you out with that. And the second one is, how do I guard my faith? Because we need to guard it, need to protect it, especially in the gap, because in the gap is where it gets tested. So what is gap? What is faith? We can overcomplicate the foundational principle of our walk with Jesus. Faith. Without faith, we don't have a relationship with Jesus. Without faith, we don't walk in miracles. Without faith, we can't live as Jesus' followers. It is the foundation of our Christianity, and we can overcomplicate it. So this morning, I want to dismantle it and simplify it. What is faith? It's the first thing we're going to look at. The second one is, how do I guard my faith when it comes under attack in the gap? But before we get into it, um, I want to share just a little moment with you. Last night, as I was tucking the kids into sleep, Um, I asked Layla and Maya what faith was to them. And so I'm going to invite Layla to come up and tell us (laughs) what faith is. Why don't we give her a round of applause? So every second week, Layla serves in Munchkins in the 8.30 service and then sits with us in the 10.15 taking notes. And then on the other week, she plays drums for both services for kids' worship. But um, so I just sprung this on her just now. Like, can you share what you shared with me last night? So what is faith? How would you describe faith? I would describe faith as, um, like, you're, like, a bike. Yep. And you have, and you're, like, all broken. Yep. And then you can sort of fix it, but without this one tool called faith, you can't fix it properly. 
Right. So then you can't really like fix your life yeah. without faith. So because you could probably use your hands. Yeah, and other big tools. Yeah, you could do kind of a good job, mm. but it wouldn't be right. Yeah. Yeah, without faith. So you're the bike. Yeah. And this tool you need is faith. Yeah. And what I loved about this is I'm like, that's so true, right? Because we have all the pieces. It's all there. It's not like God's withheld anything from us, but he gives us this tool called faith to assemble it properly so that it functions in the way that it was intended to function. Otherwise, it's kind of just like pinned together or strapped together in a half-baked fashion. But when you use faith, your life is everything God wants it to be. Okay, I'm going to spring another question on you that I didn't ask you yesterday. <laughs> so this tool of faith, how do you protect it? How do you look after it um, in your life? I would say, like, don't, like, follow people and don't be friends with people who, like, are mean and swear and wow. don't believe in God. You think and, that will affect your faith? Yeah, yeah, and, like, come to church. Wow. Pastor's kid. <laughs> Thank you, honey. That was brilliant. Thank you. Amazing. That second part was totally off the cuff, but she preached the second half of my message just then. Okay. So here we go. So what is faith? The first question I want us to answer. What actually is faith? Okay. So this is a concept that we in our natural minds find it hard to get our heads around. This is why we have to allow the spirit, which is alive in us, to hear this and witness to us. You see, as long as we are understanding something, we're not believing. Because you don't need faith to understand something you already understand. Do you get that? As, and it was A.W. Tozer. As long as we are understanding, we're not truly believing. Believing is required when we don't understand. That's faith. Is when something is beyond your understanding, that's when you need faith. You don't need faith when you already understand something. And this is the thing about our walk with Jesus, about our walk with this God who's so enormous and so much greater than we could ever fathom. If he was small enough for us to understand, he would not be great enough for us to worship him. That's the whole point. And it's not a sign of weakness or a lack of intelligence to resign to the fact that, God, there are mysteries I may not ever understand. In fact, that allows me to walk in faith. That allows me to be what God wants me to be. And it's only in that place, in the gap, that God meets us. Because in that place, I cease to be God. He's God and He's bigger than me. And He's bigger than my understanding. And that's where I need faith. So as long as we're understanding, we're not truly believing. And something about our humanity wants to boil God down to a size that we can understand. But that doesn't require faith. And that doesn't move us into the promises of God. That just brings God into our current reality. I want to move into his reality. And sometimes that's beyond my understanding. And that's where faith is needed. Faith begins 
it begins where logic ends. That's why it's faith. In the natural, we say seeing is believing. But in the spirit, we have to believe in order to see. So my first point is, what is faith? Well, believing is seeing. It doesn't make sense, but that's why it's faith. In 2 Corinthians, it tells us we walk by and not by, we walk by faith and not by sight. The trouble is we want to walk by sight, but that's not faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And when we walk by faith, then we see. We don't see first and then walk. We walk first and then see. That's what faith is. Faith comes when we believe. Helen Keller, many of you know who she was, an amazing woman who changed so much of the way we see the world and how we believe, was blind. And she made this statement, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. How is it that someone blind in the natural could have more vision than the majority of us sitting in this room? Faith is vision. Faith doesn't need the natural. Faith knows something else. And so believing is seeing. Faith in the spirit knows something superior to what is understood in the natural. Knowing and understanding are not the same thing. Knowing and understanding are not the same thing. You don't need to understand in order to know. Are you tracking with me? You don't need to understand in order to know, but you must know some things in order to have faith. You don't always understand what God's doing, but you know God, and so you have faith. And so my question to you this morning is, do you know God? Because when you know some things, it's easy to have faith. It's not complicated. The truth is this. A promise is only as good as the person making it. If a liar made you a promise, you wouldn't have faith in the promise. But when you know the character of God, when you know some stuff, you can stand on the promise and you can have faith. And in fact, in my life, the only time that I have seen the miracle working hand of God come into reality is when I've stood on an absolute, is when I've come to a place and I've gone enough is enough, enough of believing this opinion or that opinion or asking for this or seeking to understand that. No, I'm just going to stand on what I know, even if I don't understand, and then boom, miracle. When I sow and I'm doubting and I'm doubting, but I come into a place, no, I know he is Jehovah Jireh, miracle. When I'm doubting about things I'm meant to do or say or step into, the moment I actually shut all that out and just go, no, I know some stuff about God, miracle. If you want to walk into the fullness of God, you need to know some stuff. That means you need to have some absolutes. Can I tell you, there are absolutes even in this generation of relativism. There are absolutes and without them, you cannot have faith. You need to know what you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. James 1, 6 to 8 says this, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. 
Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Have you ever felt like that? We all have. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. We need to remove our doubt. And Sam preached a message a couple of weeks ago about the father who said, I do believe Jesus, but help me with my unbelief. We need to deal with our unbelief. We all have it. We need to deal with it. And we need to step into faith. And faith stands on absolutes. You need to know some stuff. We need to know the character of God. When you know the character of God, it expels every ounce of doubt. We need to know the nature of God. We need to know the ways of God. We need to know Him so that we can trust Him and stand on faith. If we don't know Him, we're going to doubt. But we need to know Him. And I'm going to read some names of God to you because when God reveals Himself in the Scripture and He tells us what His name is, He's actually telling us truth. He's telling us what the absolutes are, that you can believe this and trust this. He is Abba, Father, the greatest Father. And many of us struggle right there from the word go because we've had a bad example of fatherhood. But He is the best Father, the greatest Father. He is Alpha and Omega, which means He's the beginning and the end. Like Priscilla said, He's got it sorted. He existed millions of years ago. He's going to exist way after you. He's got this little blip in eternity called your life all sorted. It's okay. He's the beginning and the end. When you know that, you can have faith. He is El Elyon, the Most High. Do you know Him as the Most High? Because when you do, your cancer report is not higher than Him. When you do, your financial situation is not higher than Him. He is the Most High. He is the Most High. He is El Olam, everlasting. He was here before us. He'll be here after us. It's all good. He is El Roi, the God who sees. And sometimes we feel like we're unseen, which is a lie of the enemy because of who he is. He is El Roi, the God who sees. He is El Shaddai, which means he's almighty. We've just been singing. Our God is ever almighty. Let me read the pre-chorus to you. For you have not, not for a moment, abandoned your promise to save, and you will not. Not for a moment, withdraw your hand, for our God is ever almighty, ever almighty to save. Our God is ever almighty, ever almighty always. When you know that, you have faith. He will not for a moment forget his promise. He is almighty, ever almighty. He is Elohim, he is creator. He created you and everything you see. You are in his hand. It's okay. He is creator. He is Yahweh, which means he's self-existent. We have trouble with that. We want to know who created God. I don't know. I don't need to know, understand that. I just need to know that he's self-existent in and of himself. And when I know that, man, my life takes on a different meaning. My existence is secure. Jehovah Nisi, my victory banner. So whatever battle I go into, if he's my banner, it's all good. 
Jehovah Ra, my shepherd, the one who binds me up, who puts ointment on my wounds, who feeds me, who takes me by still waters, who takes care of my every need. When I know that, I have faith. Jehovah Ra, uh, Jehovah Rapha, my healer, when I know that's his name, I walk in that. I walk in healing. Jehovah Shalom, my peace. He is not the God of confusion and chaos and crisis. He is the God of peace. And I just want to say many of us are addicted to crisis. We're addicted to crisis. We may have been brought up that way. We may have taught ourselves that, but life has taught us to feed on crisis. And so we have a moment of peace and we have to create crisis because we don't know what to do with peace. Stop it. Just stop it. Here's Jehovah Shalom. Peace. It's okay. Calm down. Jehovah Shema, the God who is there, he is with you. He is with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Jehovah Sebaoth, the God of the angel armies. He has armies fighting on your behalf. Scripture is full of evidence. The moment we pray, he dispatches armies and they do our work for us. When you know that, it's easy to have faith. Jehovah Sikanu, our righteousness. There is nothing you can do to make you right. He's done it. When you know that, self-condemnation goes out the window. He is Jehovah Sikanu. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider, which means he meets my needs. He provides supernaturally. He is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere, all the time, ever present. He is omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. You can't hide anything from God. And he still loves you. He is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. He's not lacking in power. He's got you. He's got this. He is omnibenevolent, which means he's all loving. And we find that hard because some of us have been hurt by people. But he is all loving. You will never experience a love like the love of God. He is always good, always faithful, always just, always true. And you can trust him to do what he says he's going to do. When you know him, you can have faith. When you have some absolutes, you can have faith. And I want to tell you, you can trust your heavenly Father. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not human that he should lie. He is not a human being that he would change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does his promise, does he promise and not fulfill? Rhetorical questions that the answer is no to. Hebrews 13 verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly light, who does not change as the shifting shadows do. So what is faith? Faith is trust. And you can have that trust when you have some absolutes. You must have absolutes in order to have faith. So the second thing then is, how do I guard my faith? The answer is through what you do, what you say, and who you hang around. Say it with me. What you do, what you say, and who you hang around. Say it again. What you do, what you say, and who you hang around. And again, what you do, what you say, and who you hang around is how you guard your faith. You guard your faith through what you do, what you say, and who you hang around. What we do 
in the gap makes all the difference. James 2.17 says, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith without works is dead. It's pointless. If we have faith and we do nothing, the faith is pointless. It's dead. So what we do is really, really important. And in the gap is where faith is needed the most. We need to guard our faith in the journey in the middle. And so the first point, what is faith? Well, faith is trust and you can have trust when you stand on absolutes. My second point, how do you guard your faith? You guard your faith by having resolves around what you do, what you say and who you hang around. Absolutes and resolves in the gap are so, so important. Resolves. Resolves are the things that you will not compromise on no matter what life looks like. And you need to make those decisions before you head into the gap. It's very difficult to make a resolve when the world is screaming all sorts of things at you. We need to have resolves. Make some tough calls now that will hold you in the highs and lows of life. It's how you guard your faith. And the first resolve you need to consider is your connection with God. How do you connect with God? There are many people in the gap who fall out of relationship with Jesus. So you need to make some resolves about your connection with God around the Word of God. Do you know you will never know God better than you know His Word? You'll never know God better than you know His Word. And so you need to make sure you are in the Word of God. Don't let anyone else read it for you. Don't just come for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning and think you've had your fill of Scripture. I mean, it's awesome. And God does distribute gifts. And one of the gifts is the gift of teaching, which is why gathering is so important, so that we can be taught and equipped and inspired. But you need to be in the Word of God for your life, for yourself, so that you can know Him. And you need to make a resolve around that. You need to make a resolve around prayer. It amazes me how many times I sit with people and they tell me about their struggles and their nights of sleeplessness. And I ask them, what do you do when you're laying in bed tossing and turning? Well, I just lay there and toss and turn. I'm like, why don't you get up and pray? Make some resolves about prayer. Prayer changes things. Prayer moves mountains. Prayer activates the heavenly armies. Prayer changes things. We need to make resolves around prayer. Oh, it's very quiet in this Baptist church this morning. Prayer, a resolve around prayer. I will pray. I will pray. I will serve. A a resolve around being a service-oriented person. A resolve around worship. Worship, it's all through the scripture in those gap moments, those difficult moments where the psalmist says, why are you so downcast within me, O my soul? Yet will I praise him. Yet will I worship him. I will make a resolve to correct my soul in this dark moment and I will continue to worship no matter what the circumstance looks like. It is a resolve in me that I will worship God no matter what is coming against me. Is there anyone here this morning? A resolve to worship, a resolve around our connection with God, a resolve around our connection with others, which Layla just preached for us before. The church, the church. Do you know, he who grows alone grows weird. 
profound. It's true. You're probably all thinking of that person. It's true, right? He who grows alone grows weird. And that's why God instituted the church, so that we could be with like-minded people who stir up our faith, who encourage us, so that we can be in a place where we're built up in the church. It reminds me, this theme, faith is the gap, reminds me of all the people I've known in my life of ministry who have made resolves and seen themselves through the gap. I think of men, specific stories, when their wives have been unwell and they've brought their children into the house of God week in, week out. And I've sat at their weddings of these young men who were brought into the house of God every single Sunday by their father who stood as a pillar for the church, for the family, without compromise. And these men, and I sit there with tears in my eyes realizing it's all because of his resolves. It's all down to his resolves. I think about the single mums who are like, come hell or high water. I don't care what happens the other six days of the week. I'm going to be in the house of God with my children because I know where I need to be and where my children need to be. Don't fall out of connection with people when you're going through the gap. Make some resolves about where you're going to be planted because it makes all the difference about how you're going to get there on the other side. I think about our own senior pastor in his cancer journey when he would come in every week on the front row and I watched his hair fall out as he was having his treatment. I watched him fade away as he lost weight. I watched him lose his voice because he was being burnt out through the therapy and he was there every Sunday, week in, week out, resolves. I think about these ones in this theme, the ones who made it through the gap because they had resolves. Because they had resolves. Are you making resolves about the things of God, his house, his word, a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of prayer, and being connected to the right people, the right people? Your company is so important. We're coming to the house of God and that needs to be a resolve, but your friendship groups and your companions need to be a resolve too. Jesus often kicked nine of his disciples out of the room, nine of the 12. Why is that? When he was about to do a miracle, he asked nine out of 12 to leave the room and he kept three with him. Peter, James and John, you're with me. The rest of you, get out. That's heavy. Why? Because in a moment of miracle, you need the right people with you and you need the wrong people as far away as possible. And you need to be unapologetic about that in the gap. I want to tell you this morning that the people you walk with will determine whether you get there or not. Who is around you? Who is speaking into your miracle? God said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to make you a mighty nation. Your descendants are going to outnumber the grains of sand on the earth and the stars in the sky. I'm going to give you a land for an inheritance. Now go. And Abraham's like, awesome, where? God says, just go and I'll tell you when you get there. What? We all want the blueprint. Like we want the map. And God's like, no, no, go. And when you see it, you'll know. I kind of understand that as a woman when I walk into a clothing store and the shop assistant says, can I help you? What are you looking for? And I say, I don't know. When I know, I'll see it. 
right? All the women said, amen. All the men are not as faith-filled as us. This is what God was saying to Abraham. (laughs) What was that? I need faith for that bank account. That's what Sam's saying. He's saying to Abraham, go, when you get there, you'll see it. And so Abraham got on his way and he took his family and his servants and he also took his nephew named Lot. And along the way, Lot's servants started bickering with Abraham's servants and God pulls Abraham aside and he goes, you've got to get rid of Lot because he's, he's holding you back. I want to tell you this morning, church, you have a lot to get rid of. Some of you will get that later in the week. There are some people in your life you need to let loose. You just need to let them be on their way because they're not going to walk you into your promise. Who is that? Who is that? Because who you spend time with in the process of your miracle will determine whether you get your miracle or not and your confession. So we talked about connecting with God, connecting with others and your confession when it comes to guarding your faith. Your confession, the primary purpose of language is not communication. The primary purpose of language is creation. Think about it. When God came into the world, he wasn't having a chat. He was created, creating. Let there be light and there was light. Let there be fish in the sea and there were fish in the sea. The primary purpose of your language is not communication. It's creation. Proverbs tells us life and death are in the power of the tongue. What you say happens. What worlds are you creating? What worlds are you creating? You know, when Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist, this man that was going to be a forerunner for our Savior, Jesus Christ, the one that was going to cry out, make clear the way of the Lord. When Elizabeth fell pregnant and Zacharias found out about it, God made him mute. Zacharias couldn't believe that it happened because Elizabeth was so advanced in her years and God took away his voice, made him mute. So from the moment that Elizabeth was pregnant to when she had the baby, Zacharias could not speak. Why? Because the old man had a habit of being negative. God had to shut his mouth. He said the purpose on this young child's life is too great for you to terminate. I want to ask you this morning, church, what confessions are terminating your miracle? We need to shut our mouths sometimes. It changes everything. And so not only do we need to stop the negative confession and release the confession of faith and the the Word of God, which is why we need to be in the Word so we know how to speak properly around our circumstances, the next level is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving in a moment of trial, that takes a lot of faith. That makes no sense. That's why it's faith. But thanksgiving in the moment of trial is the next level of confession. And that's what makes all the difference. I've found that a lot rides on our ability to give thanks. We live in a generation right now that loves entitlement. I'm entitled, I have rights. But that's not the position of a kingdom-minded person. The position of a kingdom-minded person understands that I give thanks for every good and perfect thing. That I turn around and give thanks no matter what my circumstance looks like. 
And so much rides on this. Luke 17, verse 11. Now it happened as Jesus went to Jerusalem that he passed through in the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there he met 10 men who were lepers, who stood afar off. Now leprosy was a condition where their skin was literally rotting and parts of their body were falling off. And so they were seen as unclean and had to be at a distance from the rest of society. So they stood from afar off and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, He said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. So they went, as he said, go and show yourselves. Go and show yourselves. Go and show yourselves. They had not seen the miracle yet. Go and show yourselves. Abraham, you haven't seen the land yet. Go and you'll know when you get it. There's a lot in our going, in our obedience, in stepping out. Go and show yourselves to the priests. And so as they went, as they went, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned before he went to the priest, before he cashed in his check, he returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the other nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, a Samaritan? And he said to him, arise, go on your way. Your faith has made you whole. This is not a small thing for us to overlook. 10 were healed. One was made whole. Ten were healed. One was made whole. The one who gave thanks. I don't know what wholeness means there necessarily. Did his ears grow back? His fingers grow back? You know, it it means salvation. It means wholeness in every aspect. I know many people who receive healing and fall away from God. This guy, giving thanks, was made whole. Your confession not only are you confessing the word of God and the positive nature of what his intentions are for you, but you give thanks no matter what it looks like and you will walk in wholeness. Amen. Amen. Church, this morning you might be in a gap. You might have just come through a gap. Praise the Lord. You might be, you don't even know what tomorrow looks like. Amen. But in the gap, we need to know what faith is. Faith is trust and it's easy to trust someone you know is good. You need to have absolutes. You must have absolutes. I know God is good. I know God is faithful. I know he's the healer. I know he's the provider. I know he's the prince of peace. I know he knows everything. I know he's powerful. I know he wants to save. I know his will is always healing, always reconciliation, always provision. It never isn't one of those things. It is always those things. And so I'm standing on those absolutes. The gap must be with me because he finished everything on the cross. I need to know some stuff. I need to have some absolutes. I need to have some resolves. Amen. In the middle of the gap. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit, we want to be mindful of you, aware of you, and what you want to do and say. Pray that you'd speak to us, God. Some of us need to know you in a greater measure. Some of us need to know you as Abba Father. Some of us need to trust you. Some of us need to make some tough decisions about what resolves we're going to make, what things we just will not compromise on. Father, I pray by your Spirit that you'd speak to us in our circumstances and before our circumstances. You might be here this morning, maybe for the first time, you're hearing about this God who loves you and intends great things for you. And the first act of faith is to respond to His drawing you. He draws us to Himself because He loves us, because in Him is the only place where we find ourselves. In Him. We abandon everything else. We surrender to Him. Maybe you're here this morning. You've been a number of times. Maybe you've been away for a little while. Maybe you haven't been away, but you know that your soul is out of relationship with God. And this morning, something's shifting in you. Well, I want to offer you an invitation. Whoever you are, maybe you're here for the first time or again. I want to offer you an invitation to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. I remember being in a meeting just like this one. And I knew I was away from God. I knew there was a gap. And the preacher offered me an invitation to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. And I responded. And it was the greatest decision I've ever made in my life. It shaped everything for my future and continues to shape it every day of my life. So this morning, I'm going to count to three. And if that's you and you want to respond, you want to say, yes, I want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. On the count of three, I'd love for you to raise your hand so I know who to pray with. So if that's you, one, you need to know that God loves you beyond measure, beyond your comprehension and beyond any experience you've ever had. Two, you need to know He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed. In fact, He loves you and He thinks you're amazing. Three, if that's you, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd love for you to raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Yes, I see your hand as well. So good. Anybody else in this moment as I look across one last time? Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you this morning that you're at work among us. God, you're just so good. Father, I thank you that in this moment when we respond, that moment that says, yes, God, I acknowledge you. I acknowledge you as the Lord of all things. I come back to you. I respond to you. In that moment, God, you come in like a flood. Lord, that you wash us clean, white as snow. Father, I thank you that the old has gone and the new has come. Father, I thank you that in this moment, you adopt us into your family. Father, and you are so blessed by this moment. Lord, that the one who was away has come back, has been found. Father, that your word says we become your children, sons and daughters of the Most High God. In this moment, we take our place with you. And so this morning, I thank you for mercy. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for justification. Father, I thank you for grace. And in this moment, Lord God, I pray for a hedge of protection around these decisions. 
Father, that it would be the start of a great, great journey and relationship with you in your name. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Church, why don't you...